the Bible any justice, the Word of God. We'll go over Jerome one more time. He, Jerome lived from 30, 347 to 420 A.D. He was a Christian scholar, so they claim, father of the church, doctor of the church. He was acclaimed to have his own exposition of Scripture for his exposition, for his expositoring of the, of the Word of the Scripture. And Pope Damascus requested him to begin a new version of the Bible. And he did so from 386 to his death. Jerome worked in a monastery in Bethlehem. He also wrote commentaries on Ecclesiastes and the epistles of St. Paul. Translated, he wrote on the epistles of St. Paul, translated from origins, nonsense, home homilies. Revised part of the Latin version of Septuagint. Translated from the Hebrew, Isaiah, and other prophets. Psalms, Kings, and the Book of Job. Jerome's work consisted of translating origins and Asubius' Greek into Latin. Jerome's work produced the Roman Catholic Vulgate Bible, which was mainly used until just a few years ago. Jerome himself states that he made many changes to the Latin. God forbid. So now let's talk about Mr. Westcott and Hort. Now, they're not church fathers by no means, but they are fabricators of the revised version of 1881. From where all modern Bibles came from, they take, please take note of the thoughts of these two men. Please take note of it. Dr. Brooke Foss Westcott. From 1825 to 1901. Let's talk about his beliefs. On miracles, he said, I never, had re- I never read an account of a miracle, but I seem instinctively to feel its improbability. And believe it. On the infallibi- infallibility of Scripture, he wrote, Mr. Westcott, I reject the word infallibility of Holy Scripture overwhelmingly. On creation, he said, No one now, I suppose, holds that the first three chapters of Genesis, for example, gave a literal history. He didn't believe anybody believed it. I could never understand how anyone's reading of them with open eyes could think they did. On democracy, I suppose I'm a communist by nature. Westcott was a firm believer in Mary worship. Westcott did not believe in the second coming of Christ, the millennium, or the literal or a literal heaven. Both men, Westcott and Horth, rejected the doctrine of a literal hell. So let's talk about Mr. Fenton John Anthony Hort from 1828 to 1892. His beliefs. He believed in the occult. This is a Bible translator. Now He believed in the occult and spirits and communicating with them. Now I understand it's been said that not all people who translate the King James Bible and probably others through the other ones were, weren't Christian either. What we're showing here though is that it wasn't that these two men just wasn't Christians, 
but their thinking influenced what they wrote because they took it, everything from all the way back to the transcripts from origin. That's where it started at. On democracy, I cannot say that I see much as yet to soften my deep hatred of democracy in all of its forms. That's what he believed. He believed in keeping Roman Catholic sacraments. He believed in baptism, regeneration as taught by the Catholic Church. He rejected the infallibility of Scripture, and he refused to believe in a trinity. He refused it. He refused to believe in angels. In 1851, Mr. Hort wrote, I have no idea until the last few weeks of the importance of text, having read so little Greek Testament and dragged on with this villainous Texas Receptus. Think of that vile Texas Receptus leaning entirely on late manuscripts. He called it vile. So now let's talk about the Antiochian manuscripts, the New Testament. From Antioch, the apostles in the Bible were dispersed throughout the known world. You will notice that I stress the Antiochian wherever possible and the Alexandrian so that you will be able to, won't get them mixed up. The apostolic or Antiochian, the apostolic or Antiochian manuscripts. In the early years following the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the letters of the apostles were being circulated throughout the Roman Empire. It is said that while John the Beloved was on the Isle of Patmos, he became very concerned that those letters would be lost or destroyed because of the horrible persecutions against the Christians. He asked his friends to gather as many letters as they could and bring them to him. Not only for him to read, but also to safeguard them, and it was done. After the death of the apostles, and when John had not received any further revelations of God, by God, he asked his friends to take the letters back to Antioch. He instructed them to ensure that copies would be made and to send them throughout the known world. It is known that someone did gather all those letters at Antioch, Syria, and made copies, all of them by hand. The Gutenberg Press hadn't even been invented yet. Wasn't invented until the 15, 1450. They did it by hand. Think of that. The copies were made and written on papers or animal skins in codex, in codex scroll form or scrolls. The codex is at a page put on top of another page bound with a string at one side. These biblical codices are called in Greek, vivalos, hence Bible. A regular book is called a vivio. Note that the OS is dropped in vivios and IO is added. It is, <clears throat> as it has been throughout the Christian, throughout Christian history, we have been persecuted from one age to another, one period to, another, to the next. You also know of the daughter, or the slaughter, I'm sorry, you also know of the slaughter of Christians by the Roman Empire. Around 200 AD, the very first 
Greek Bibles were translated into foreign language. They were the facetta in Syria, Aramaic, and the old Latin by the Waldenses. Tertullian, 160 to 220 AD, says that he saw the originals, plus he got to see the original places where the apostle used to sit for their sermons and their teachings. It seems like for the first 200 years, the originals were copied and then they were recopied. The Septuagint Old Testament was in existence too. And the Jewish scribes were searching constantly to find all the ancient Hebrew writings to put them back into a book. During all these periods, the Christians were trying desperately to save the precious writings of God. One persecution on top of another against the Christians were the norm. Not until the Greek King Constantine came to power. <clears throat> it has been said that he too became a Christian. There is quite a bit of a doubt on this. But the fact is that he allowed any religion to function in the open. I must point out that up to this time, there was no such thing as a Roman Catholic, no Protestants, no offshoot, Christians of any sort, except false brethren and false doctrines. There was only one group of people <clears throat> who were known as the way. Later, they were called Christians first in Antioch. And that was it. They were called the way first and then Christians in Antioch. King Costin came to power in 306 AD. Even though there was so much destruction against the word of God, the Bibles, up to this time, there was still a few Antiochian copies still around. Many in other languages in other countries. King Constantine became, being a Christian, orders Asubius to make him 50 copies of the Bible. Asubius, a Catholic, made the copies, but he used the Alexandrian manuscripts that we discussed earlier because he was a Gnostic himself who supported Origen and embraced his teachings. During the same period, Christians who believed in the Antiochian manuscripts Manuscripts made thousands of copies. These copies are now known as the Byzantine manuscripts, which underline the King James Bible. The confession by the penitents to the priest were instituted, and in this manner the priest served as a spy by the confessional. If anyone confessed that he had read or owned a Bible, or if they knew of anyone who had taken part in any of these sinful and heretic activities, as they called them, they would be turned over to the authorities. They would be killed and their property confiscated. It was a manner, it was in this manner that the Roman Catholic Church became so rich. In 1215, at the Fourth Council of Lateran, it was decreed that all Catholics must confess to a priest. 
at least once a year. From the fall of the Byzantine Empire to around 1630, the Roman Catholic Church had their institute in, 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 inquisitions against the Christians. Millions of people were killed or tortured by the Roman Catholic Church. Many people began to run to the mountains, even to the Italian Alps and to the caves and to anywhere that they could protect their precious keepings, the Bible, copies of the apostles' writings, and their own lives. Two large groups of people who resisted the power of the Roman Catholics were the, and I'll butcher this word, I'm sure, but they were the Albergensian and the Waldensians. The first group, the Albingensian, were completely destroyed by the Roman Catholic Church. They wiped the people out altogether. Think of that. My, my, my. And they not only wiped these people out, but including their, their copies of the scriptures from Antioch, copies of the, of the apostolic manuscripts. The Waldensians managed to survive, and they exist in this day in Spain, and some in Italy. The translators of the future, the translator of the futures used the Waldensians Latin Bibles for clarification. The Waldensians, all they had to do was to reject the Bible, the Antiochian Bible. All they had to do was reject it and they would be safe. But no, they kept their Bibles and ran. Their Latin Bible is not the same as the Roman Catholic Bible. In 1516, a Dutchman by the name of Arrhenius from Rotterdam, Holland, who was very knowledgeable in the Greek and Hebrew languages, decided to, under, under penalty of death, to gather all the Antiochian manuscripts that he could find. He literally went through hell to find all of the Hebrew and Antiochian or Byzantine manuscripts. He sold, his sole purpose was to bring that Bible back from the ashes and preserve it in the original languages, not Latin. In some places of his writings, he could not find the lost pieces, and he had to rely on the old Latin Vulgate to fill in the gaps. But only, but only if they didn't conflict with doctrine, or he used the Fasheta or the Walden Walden Bibles which were copied directly from the originals in past centuries. He kept running from country to country and hiding while he was doing this, doing his research and his translations. His Bible became known as Eramius' Bible. Finally, in 1525, a Roman Catholic by the name of Tyndale translated the Old and New Testaments into English from Aramis' Hebrew and Greek works. He was caught by the Roman Catholic Church, strangled, and then burned. In 1550, Robert Esteen Stevens, or Stephanus, he was a former Catholic, but converted. 
And as I mentioned before, Remus has made mistakes in grammar, but not in doctrine. Stevens, knowing the Greek language, saw the mistakes and corrected them. And as you can perceive throughout the centuries, Christians and their holy book have been persecuted at times almost to the point of extermination. Such were the conditions of many people that were translated, many people that died and they're tortured under the Roman Catholic yoke. Other Bibles that were translated from the Byzantine into English were the Geneva Bible, 1560, the Bishop's Bible, 1568. In over, 900, in over 1900 years, the Word of God has been tested and survived. The, Germ- the Geneva Bible was the one that the pilgrims brought to this country. And on the, in the, on the Mayflower in 1620. And if you recall, pilgrims and Puritans came to this country for freedom of religion. Then comes King James in 1600 AD. A new work was commissioned. The source, the Texas Receptus, the received text, the Byzantine, Antiochian, Waldensenses. I've used... Some of the names that boiled down to the same correct manuscripts. Not the erroneous Alexandrian. The Bible that the King James was commissioned was done done so by men who used the correct manuscripts. Just some food for thought. It's said over and over by critics that the Alexandrian manuscripts are the oldest to be found. It doesn't mean they're the oldest. It, remember, the Dead Sea Scrolls were not discovered until 1947 and in 58. Let me address this issue. Earlier I spoke of the Alexandrian manuscripts that were translated into other languages. For example, of these is the Spanish Bible Reina Vieira of 16. It was translated from the Texas Receptus, just as the King James was. However, here comes the so-called Bible, know-it-all speaking, Spanish-speaking scholars, who in 1865 decided to fix the quote, Rienavir, with the Alexandrian text. It wasn't enough to corrupt God's word, they were continued they but they continued on to put on the very same stamp to fool people and they fooled them for many years until 1906 and 1906 and 1960 the great effort was made to clean it up take it back to the 1602 style but it's still some filth in it this is the best the spanish people have they are very fortunate that they have the best. We are very fortunate we have the best in the King James. And if not, the Texas Receptus. The Antiochian scriptures have, been, have gone through inimaginable paths of destruction and have survived. Even by fire, God promised to preserve his word for us. The decision is yours to make. It is either one or the other. 
You now know where, or rather you now are now well informed of the history of God's word. One is from the correct path. The other is from deception, deceit, and corruption. You'll need to make a choice now. Better yet, if Christ was standing right next to you while you're doing that, which one do you think he would advise you? Let me make a a suggestion. Get yourself a good study Bible This concludes, I'm going to go and say this, as this concludes my study, my history of the Bible. I hope I have given you enough information that you can see for yourself where some of the Bibles have come from and what they contain. Hopefully, you'll get into the real and the true Word of God. Is the Bible that you have in your hand apostolic or Alexandrian? Is it Pauline or Origen? Is it Luke or Eusebius? Is it godly or is it Gnostic? Now, folks, I'm, I've gone over an extensive study here for you. Um, look back or listen back upon the, the podcast or look. But I pray that you'll do just to do just exactly that. There are so many translations out there. You had to decide if you're following the line of it. Now, there, yes, there has been some new translations from the ground up. Many there are. That the, uh, but some rely on what was done with the American Standard Bible and start that as a basis instead of using the King James. There are very few Bibles that follow the line from the Geneva of the Great Bible down. One, and it goes from the King James. I believe the New King James is somewhat there, but the modern English version. There are some, such as the NET, brand new translation. I'll let you make decision to go back and see where they started from or what manuscripts that they used. This is, like I said, this is my last of the series, so I pray that it helps you greatly. Thank you and be back with us.